All right, uh, so I'm here with Hannah Wolf today. And um, so I just want to kind of get right into it and um, hopefully you could just kind of like start by maybe just telling us a little background about yourself, like your story a little bit, um, the beginning of your career and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, some credentials and stuff so people know who we're talking about. Okay, um, awesome. I, started, I started tattooing in 2003. Um, I, I did an apprenticeship in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is where I'm from. Um, and then um, kind of bounced around a little bit, went, went to uh, University of New Mexico, start, uh, studied art history, um, ended up in uh, Las Vegas for a couple of years, um, tattooed at a number of shops out there, Las Vegas Boulevard, um, then went down to San Diego, tattooed uh, Mission Beach, Pacific Beach, um, couple of other places and I've been up in the Bay Area uh, about nine years, nine, ten years, something like that. Um, I guess almost ten years. Um, I've tattooed all over the Bay Area, mostly East Bay, Oakland, Berkeley, San Francisco. I used to own Castro Tattoo in San Francisco, um, sold that a couple of years ago, um, kind of intermittently I've traveled all over the world, um, tattooed in Europe three times, um, Australia, New Zealand twice, um yeah that's that's about it now i own occult tattoo in oakland california awesome and what's uh what's it like in oakland you know like for people who don't know um oakland's cool um it's kind of like people like to refer to it as like the brooklyn of san francisco so yeah. it's it's kind of like the last respite uh for artists in the bay area with this whole kind of tech boom um, so I like to think that most of the artists have kind of come here and hang out here. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, so it's, it's neat. I love Oakland. Um, and that yeah. was definitely like my intention was to open a shop somewhere that I like really loved, obviously, and kind of like contribute back to the community. So Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. cool. So you have kind of like a, um, more of like a uh, college like art education background then too you said or I didn't go to college for art I went to college for art history which is oh, okay. um, more of an anthropology side of art um, yeah. rather than a practical side of art um, I've taken a lot of art classes I've done the um, when uh, off the map used to do the paradise artist retreat I did a few of their things that was a lot of fun um, and then living in the Bay Area, obviously, there's a lot of arts, artists and art schools here. So I've done quite a few, like, kind of intermittent art classes and kind of, like, painting things. But I never went to, like, formal art school. I feel like tattooing is my formal art school. And after 17 years, you know, you, you learn a lot. So, um, yeah. yeah, I try to kind of take that and use what I've learned from fine art to, like, put into tattooing. But... Three years ago, I felt like um, I also went to school. I should also say, like, I also went to school for biology. I didn't just go to school for art history. Um, so I, I always loved science and kind of like had uh, um, had like a, an affinity for figuring things out, you know. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how the science of tattooing was born three years ago. Was uh, I felt like there were all these things that I couldn't answer. Um, and there really wasn't like a cohesive foundation or document to find it. Um, and I always think it's funny, but I like to tell people, you know, you can do like a Google search to try to figure things out. 
but you're going to get three different answers and then you kind of have to use process of elimination to figure out like what's actually the real answer and what's most accurate and that kind of thing. Um, so I, um, I started doing this project as kind of like an investigatory, uh, document of like, Hey, let's try to find out like the real answers behind things. Um, and in doing so, um, I also, got in contact with a lot of really smart people that have already done a lot of research, including um, getting turned on to a foundation in Europe uh, that put out a book called Tattooed Skin and Health. And Tattooed Skin and Health is a collection of um, medical journal articles about dermatology and tattooing. Uh, so it's, it's a really fucking great book. Sorry, excuse, excuse me, French. Um, <laughs> It's a really great book. Um, it's really informational. Uh, and if you have a science background, it's a fantastic read. However, if you don't have a science background, it can be a little bit much to kind of like, you know, absorb. Um, so in writing my book, I wanted to have something that was a little bit more foundational, like as a practical document for the tattoo industry, because a lot of tattoo artists are not also academic. A lot of tattoo artists didn't even graduate from high school. You know, I didn't graduate from high school. I got my GED. It just, yeah. <laughs> you know, That's we kind point. of like, yeah, we, we live in this culture of, you know, pirates of people that kind yeah. of want to like do things at their own pace, their own style. And that doesn't typically fit into like the typical education system. Um, so in writing this book, I wanted to give people like more of a foundation into phys physiology and chemistry to understand like what's actually happening in the body during the tattoo process. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I just started, you know, selling actual copies of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah. ebook's been out for a couple of months. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to get feedback and see what people yeah. find useful or unuseful. And, uh, I've already found a couple typos. So <laughs> yeah. It happens, right? But um, yeah, you know, self-publishing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I personally write it, you know, just because I wanted to uh, be a little bit prepared going into it or whatever, you know. And it, I thought it was really good um, as far as like information-wise, you know. Like, uh, I I went um, to like EMT school after high school and took some anatomy physiology. So it was interesting though because back then I was like learning in a way that like it was all directed about like things that weren't tattoo related or stuff I was really interested in so it wasn't as like it didn't stick with me as much you know but going back through it I was like okay I remember a lot of this you know from biology but having it applied to tattooing was um, really interesting you know like it gave it a different um, I don't know like a, a different place in my mind now where like it all makes sense a little bit more too and applying it to tattooing just made me it's more interesting to me you know so it was a good read. Um, there's a there's a lot in it, um, you know. So I, I, I if I suggest to other people, I'm gonna tell them, you know, probably break it up into pieces too, right? Because it's not something to absorb overnight, probably. You know, right. there's a lot yeah. of like scientific terminology and stuff in there, you know. But uh, but yeah, uh, I really am interested though in like the process. It seems like you had some help kind of putting it together. Is there? Um, was, was there like some other people that were involved with it or something you said it was like kind of peer reviewed or something like that, right? Yes. So, um, I, I directed the project, but I didn't write this book. So I hired, um, P 
PhD bioengineers and people with master's degrees and a medical doctor uh, to write this book. Um, yeah. And then I did a peer review process with um, a couple industry professionals, so tattoo artists. Um, I had a couple of scientists that work with the Association of Food and Drug Officials do peer review for me um, because, you know, they're kind of like industry experts as well. They work with uh, regulation on, um, on like uh, tattoo pigments and all of that kind of stuff. And then they come from a scientific background. So um, they were really crucial in uh, being part of this project. And then um, I think I had another doctor and, or she's a physician's assistant. Yeah. So she went through and kind of like, I, I had her to be like an expert peer reviewer for like the contraindications and kind of more yeah. of the medical side toward the end of the book. Um, yeah, that's really yeah, and then I had, and I had two editors work on this project for me, um, and then I worked with an illustrator who did a lot of the scientific illustrations, um, just to kind of make everything cohesive. And when I started yeah. the project, I wanted to do all the illustrations myself, um, and unfortunately, <laughs> I just kind of ran out of time, you know, because oh, yeah. uh, composing the book, uh, because, you know, basically the whole outline of the book and everything that I wanted in the book, uh, that was the stuff that I made. So I said, this is how I want the book to look. This is what I want to be in the book. And then I kind of directed really smart people who are professional writers to write that, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's I had a lot of help. That's really good way to do it. That's really smart. I, I like that. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it takes it takes a lot of people to get a book out, which is why most people go through a publishing company to do this kind of project. Um, I didn't want to go through a publishing company for two main reasons. Um, the big one was that I wanted this project to be the way that I wanted it to be because I didn't want a big publisher kind of like hovering over saying, you can do this, you can't do this, you know, we need this, people won't read this because there's no publishing company out there that's going to know the tattoo industry better than us tattooers. Um, and then the second thing was that I wanted full control over the copyright information of this book because mm -hmm. ultimately I want the company to be a 501c3 nonprofit uh, because oh. I do want to try to help teach. And um, the big thing is that it's only a matter of time before the tattoo industry becomes federally regulated, which means yeah. it's only a matter of time before we start to see some kind of state board regulation for licensure. And if okay. that happens, we all need to have a hand in it as tattoo artists. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't matter if the tattoo industry doesn't want it, it's going to happen. It's gonna be just like hair salons, it's gonna be just like you know cosmetology and uh, esthetician. It's gonna be just like that um, okay. because it's too big now. It really is, it's too big. So there's, um, there's uh, legislation in Congress right now where they're trying to re-regulate what can actually be in tattoo pigments as, oh, wow. um, yeah. So it's, it's big and it's changing. And this has already been done in Europe. And basically Europe re-regulated tattoo industry for chemicals and tattoo pigments. Um, and they made a lot of different pigments um, illegal and they made a lot of the ink companies restructure their manufacturing processes and what they put in their tattoo pigments and some of it's good and some of it's kind of ridiculous um okay. and the big thing bad. right right exactly because the big thing is that there's no cohesive research that actually mm -hmm. says that this stuff you know if you have a chemical that's known to be a carcinogen 
in X situation, there's yeah. no like active research saying that as a tattoo, it will produce, you know, some kind of adverse effects. So right. that's kind of the issue with it right now is that it's speculative. So, yeah. you know, hopefully we can try to direct more research and education through companies like my company so that us tattooers can kind of take control when things okay. start to change for us to lobby and petition and say yeah. like, Hey, we know so our it's, shit. It's similar to like, um, how I say like a tobacco company or something, you know, like uh, came together to create like uh, different studies and stuff like that to, um, you know, uh, keep their company theirs kind of, or whatever. Right. Or it's always saying like, uh, we would be using like a 501 certain like, yeah. Money so that we could kind of like invest into more studies and stuff so that yes. it could tell us yes. whether or not those things are good or bad for you in the long run like that yeah i think that's yes. really good and there's nothing really like that right now right not really um the coalition of tattoo safety um which is headed up by a couple of ceos of uh tattoo supply and ink companies is um it's kind of like nebulous as to what exactly they're doing. They say they're a 501c3 nonprofit. Mm -hmm. However, um, when I, when I looked up like their federal application, I couldn't find anything. So mm -hmm. they're marketing it as such, but you know, I need to check back into that to see if maybe they were finally approved for it, but I saw no federal application. So I think they're Telling yes. people they're nonprofit, but they're actually so, only registered through Nevada as a nonprofit, which oh, really okay. doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah. So is so, that your goal as uh, writing this book is to do the five hundred one c three, or was that something that developed like after you know writing? It's always it? been a goal. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. I'm never going to make money off this project. <laughs> okay, I made though, my right? books. Yeah, I made my books affordable enough for everybody to be able to buy them, which means I make almost nothing off of it. Yeah. <laughs> and the money I mean, that I do make doesn't even begin to cover the expense of publishing this book. Um, but it was for the greater good, you know, and I love right. the tattoo industry and I made this book so that we can all learn and be better. Yeah, it's important, I think, you know, to have a uh, like a like a foundation of information to start from too and like you even say in the book too you know that this is just a beginning and that you want more um studies and education on this type of thing too you know, yes too. yeah so i'm actually going to start working on a second book um toward the end of this year and that one will be more uh like medical focused so it'll have a lot more on like medical complications of the tattoo process and treatment and contraindications and uh yeah. Yeah, just kind of like more of a um, like a practical book for the medical industry as well. Kind of more like that book I had mentioned, Tattooed Skin and Health. Um, but something that's a little bit more contemporary and, and relevant to the United States tattoo industry, um, mm -hmm. especially being that that book was, I think it was published before 2015. So now it's been a couple of years and a lot can happen in the tattoo industry in five years. Yeah, definitely, right? Yeah, a lot has changed even. I've only been tattooing uh, nine years, and a lot's changed mm -hmm. in that time frame even, especially with regulation, you know. I see a lot of different stuff happening. Every different state's different. Um, mm -hmm. You were mentioning even, like, Oregon or something, right? Uh, yeah, something Oregon's crazy. 
Oregon's nutty. Um, it's really hard. Oh, I feel like people should really talk about Oregon licensing because it is so ridiculous. The state of Oregon, in order to make revenue for the state, has mandated that new tattooers are required to go to um, tattoo school. Uh, and it costs, it costs a lot of money. It's like $10,000 and it's only six months. And what do they teach you in those schools? You know, how, it's a state-regulated how, school then? Yeah, it's oh, a state-regulated wow. school. But the real question is who is dictating the curriculum? You know, yeah. like they, they only have something like two or three tattooers on the state board that direct all of this information and write all of this legislation. So how yeah. is it that a couple tattooers get to decide how every new tattooer in the industry, like how they learn and what they learn? And, yeah. you know, what's really happening in Oregon is unfortunate because now we're seeing a completely oversaturated market of wannabe tattooers. And what happens in the state is the state gets revenue from tattoo schools and they get revenue from licensure when you open a tattoo shop. So there's no, co there's no cap on the amount of tattoo shops that open. So people go to a tattoo school, they can't get a job anywhere because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. So they just open a shop, you know? Yeah. That's who knows? True. Maybe right. they, they're independently wealthy. They come from money. They have somebody in their family who gives them money. They put it on a credit card. Who knows? Yeah. But the state yeah. does it and allows it because the state makes revenue from it. Um, and mm. it's kind of like slowly eating away like acid on the fucking tattoo industry in Oregon. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, what I've seen, because I've worked in Oregon a lot and I have an Oregon license, um, is okay. that the quality of tattooing and the cost of tattooing has really started to degrade. Um, because why would anybody get a good tattoo when they can just go down the street and get a $40 tattoo that takes two hours? You know, mm -hmm. it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Um, I was able to get my license there through reciprocity, which means that I just, I had to prove that I had, you know, tax returns and um, I had tax returns and I had licensure from other states um, and then I had to go and take their test. And like I said, I've had this publishing company I've been tattooing for 17 years. There shouldn't really be anything on a test that, you know, I shouldn't be able to read briefly and brush up on and know and pass. I failed yeah. the test, oh, like wow. horrifically failed the test, even after studying, because there was nomenclature on the test that was made up vocabulary, that wow. somebody had decided that this was the vocabulary of a tattoo machine and it's, it's like, how does one person decide that that's what a tattoo machine is? And they were using this book that a, you know, biker tattooer had written, you know, 10 years ago that had all of this ridiculous shit in it, you know, yeah. about like how to run a tattoo shop, how to be a tattoo <laughs> artist, how, this is how a tattoo machine works. And they were using that nomenclature and vocabulary in their state exam. Um, so there's an organization, um, called Reform Oregon Tattooing. And I believe that they're working on making Oregon licensure like a little bit more correct and appropriate, but it's a real uphill battle when you're working with any kind of like licensing agency that's government regulated. Like any government industry is gonna be really hard to deal with, especially yes. as tattooers, because we are still dealing with a lot of taboo. We are still doing dealing with a lot of this kind of like negative uh, viewpoints of like our industry and the people who get into it. And it's just not true anymore. You know, most of the people that I meet yeah. these days that are tattooing 
are, you know, supporting their families. They're college educated. I'm not saying that every tattooer is college educated, but so many are that are coming into tattooing now that this is like a viable profession for the average person to get into because um, there was some study done that one in 10 Americans now have a tattoo. That's, you know, that's 10% of our population. So it's like, that's huge. That's huge. Um, I, I feel like there's enough of the pie for everybody if we do it right, you know? Yeah, there's definitely no shortage of clients of people wanting to get tattooed. You know, I think more and more too, you see people kind of like specializing in styles and becoming like masters of one thing instead of like jack of all trades, like in the past or something, you know? And um, yeah, it's absolutely. Kind of, it's pushed our quality and the standards of the industry higher than ever. But there's always going to be those people, yeah, that are going to, you know, like kind of, uh, um, leech off of uh, the people that are maybe a little naive or something about how tattoos work and everything you know um, that's always going to be there right <laughs> yeah there's always there's a fear factor in it you know it's like people are they're scared of what they don't understand um, yeah. and so if, if we as an industry um, and especially so myself can try to teach ourselves and everyone around us like this is actually what's happening you know, we have a lot more validity um, mm-hmm. as to like our, our craft and what we do and who we are as craftspeople, you know? Yeah. I think because... in the... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. You know, if you go, if you go to, um, let's say you do an apprenticeship to be an electrician, you yeah. know, you're going through a union, you go through your apprenticeship, you're working with, you know, journeymen, um, you know, there's a lot of tests you have to take. You have to apprentice under somebody. It's kind of a long process till you get to that point where you yourself are a like valid uh, journey person, you know, so you can, you can be the, the expert of your field enough to like take on a job yourself. Um, but there's nothing like that in tattooing. And anytime you see tattoo school, in any regard, whether it be something like Oregon or it be like one of these pop-up companies that, you know, are predatory on people's naivety, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of like a money-making venture. Um, And I'm not saying that I want to like spear point any kind of tattoo school. That's not what I'm doing. Um, What I'm trying to do is compile the information and then people can use it as they need or want to basically. Um, Mm -hmm because the whole project got started when people were asking me questions I couldn't answer. Yeah. Like how many of your clients have asked you what's in tattooing and do you uh, know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because it's complicated. It's really complicated. There's a lot of different things that kind of go into it. Um, and then, you know, even if you want to answer the question of like, does it hurt? Like, or how, how much is this going to hurt? Is it going to hurt? It's like, okay, well that's complicated too, because now you have to talk about like, uh, you know, nerve cells and like yeah. it, the, the, the pain sensory system and like how, yeah. how your brain actually like receives um, pain and, and, and processes sensation, you know, because it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's not so direct, you know, I mean, theoretically pain is in your mind, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. going to be different for everybody. The same as like the, um, like uh, the uh, the neuroscience of, of understanding color, you know, 
-hmm. So those were things I really wanted to put in the book because it's important for people to understand that um, we only see prime, prime colors. We only have receptors for primary colors. Yeah. So every other color that there is, our brain makes up, it fabricates. It tries to trick us to, to think like, okay, this is, we think this is what pink looks like. So if you understand how your brain works with color, maybe then you can better understand the color wheel, you know, then you can better yeah. understand why colors fade and that kind of thing. So that's yeah. why you see certain tattoos um, that fade to blue or kind of fade to, to red or, you know what I mean? Like they, they fade to their primary base because when there's mm -hmm. a chemical reaction in the body between uh, UV light and the melanin in your skin, it actually knocks that pigment out of a recognizable spectral range. So that's why tattoos fade. And it has less to do with, I mean, it has some to do with your body breaking down the particles and, you know, moving it through like your lymphatic and metabolic system. However, it has more to do with the fact that when the UV spectrum is changed on the pigment, we can't even, our eyes can't even recognize it anymore. Yeah. And you know, it's like, if we, if we know these things, we can better educate our clients that want to come in and get a all yellow and orange watercolor tattoo, and then be upset that it disappears in a couple of years after they go to and spend a year living in Hawaii, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's lifestyle too. There's so many factors, you know, and mm -hmm. I think the book does a good job of kind of highlighting all the different things that, you know, they affect, uh, ink and the way it holds up over time and stuff like that too yeah or the way colors are made it's very interesting i think it's important because it's like the beginning is of uh, any kind of regulation like what we're talking about you know is all knowledge and having like a foundation of knowledge that everyone kind of agrees on and stuff too and so i think that's part of that you know it's like forming that um federal regulation that we can all agree on and stuff too you know it's having like just the information in general we agree on you know because it it's like you said, like, there's, like, the book with the old bikers, you know, like, there's all these different mentalities, and then you have, like, Oregon-style regulation versus, like, Idaho, where Idaho doesn't have any regulation, and you can just have right. you out right. you know? So, it's, like, we have no, no standards across the whole country, and, um, but that's the beginning, is, like, knowing what to standardize, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah, and there are a few, um, there are a few organizations that are dealing with this kind of stuff. And the big one that's really directing things toward body art is the Association of Food and Drug Officials, to my knowledge. And I'm always open if anybody finds something else, they should definitely contact me and let me know. Um, I'm all about, you know, let's, let's try to come together and try to put our, our you know, people power into the right places. Uh, but the Association of Food and Drug Officials has a couple of different committees. So they've got a body art committee, They've got a tattoo ink petition committee um, and you can audit their phone calls. You can get involved um, and you being anybody, you know? Um, so that's, that's important. If people want to become involved in it, they really should be um, because it's, you can't just abstain at this point. Um, if you decide to just not participate, you're just going to get taken for a ride. Uh, so if, if people really want to have their voices heard and they want to say something, they really need to speak up. Um, because 
Otherwise, it's just going to be people that know absolutely nothing about tattooing stepping in and uh, making regulation out of fear, you know, out of, out of worst case scenario. And that's kind of the problem is that, you know, that's, that's a potential. And some of the regulation uh, with the tattoo pigments is appropriate uh, because right now it's not regulated. Um, and there's a little bit about that in my book. There's absolutely no FDA regulations on how tattoo pigments can be manufactured. So they're required to have a, a material safety data sheet, which requires that they have less than one part per million of a known carcinogen so that you're not, you know, putting heavy metals and toxic things into your body. Um, the problems that arise are the fact that there is no standardization for sterilization. So all of these tattoo pigments, they don't have to be sterile. So it's a suggestion by the FDA because it's, it's regulated as a cosmetic. So obviously like, you know, a lot of these different cosmetics, um, you know, whether that be something that's used like as Botox or lipstick or eyeshadow or something like that. Like they all have like different types of regulatory things involved with it. But huh. generally those things don't have to be manu manufactured in a specific kind of way. Botox would be different because it's, you know, it also kind of goes more into like a medical thing. Um, and it's more like commonly accepted as like a medical procedure, whereas tattooing yeah. is still a real gray area. Um, so theoretically one could make tattoo pigment in their nasty, dirty bathroom without gloves on, um, and sell it to the public. And <laughs> so long as they yeah. register, you know, that this is what's in their ink, they can sell it. Um, and oh, that's wow. really gross. Um, the other thing is that there's, there's no, um, there's no accountability for the ink companies right now. So something that we're seeing or that we did see in Europe and that we're starting to see in Australia is that the government is starting to do toxicology testing on the pigments um, and the US government is starting to do it too. And what they're finding is really scary. Um, and that's why there's legislation in Congress right now. So they're finding um, that there are, uh, there are basically you know, fun fungi and uh, bacterial blooms in, inside of these pigments that are labeled sterilized um, and that they're finding sometimes, you know, 10, 20 times the legal limit of a known toxin. Um, yeah. I think one of the reports that I saw had like four or five times the legal limit of lead in the pigment. And that was a study done by Australia. Um, so we need to hold our manufacturing companies accountable for the things yeah. that they're putting into our bodies as well. So if we arm ourselves with the information, we also need to practice what we preach. So that's, that's kind of the thing here, um, is that there are potentially hazardous um, heavy metals and toxicity in tattoo pigments that are being manufactured. Um, and I, I believe, and um, I'm, I, I'm not saying this as an absolute fact, but I believe it's, cobalt, it's a cobalt oxide um, or some other similar type of derivative in a blue that yeah. Europe has basically banned at certain levels. So <laughs> it can only be manufactured with small amounts. So Europe did not make blue illegal, but they're definitely cracking down on the types of blues that can be manufactured, how it can be manufactured and produced and sold to the public.
Um, So hopefully, you know, all of this doesn't just completely shut down all of the hundreds of really cool pigments that we can get from all of our different American pigment manufacturers, because the majority of manufactured pigments are here in the United States, which is why it is so scary. And a lot of these companies are already uh, manufacturing at a level that is acceptable to be sold in the European Union and Australia. Um, But we can continue to try to like improve things and educate ourselves to be a little bit better. Um, I also want to add that right now there is no absolute way to make tattoo pigment completely sterile. Um, And here's why. Um, If you use a sterilization agent, um, let's say hypothetically like a methyl or uh, like a methyl alcohol, so something like isopropyl alcohol, Um, theoretically that would kill any kind of like living organism that's in the pigment. The problem with that is if you put it into a plastic bottle, it could potentially leak BPA into the ink or it could potentially change the chemical compound of the ink itself you know, which would change how it looks to our eyes. So if it, let's, let's say hypothetically, this is hypothetical, it's, it has no truth or bearing to it. Um, if you put isopropyl alcohol into a batch of yellow and then there's a chemical reaction and you tattooed it into somebody's skin, it could, you know, potentially change the chemical to be a lot more UV reactive, which means it's not light fast, which means that it fades. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of issues right now. Um, and again, the Association of Food and Drug Officials are also trying to tackle this, you know, so if you want to get involved with this kind of stuff, you can contact them, you can become a member, you can support all these different things and try to, you know, be a part of it. Um, so there are a couple different, you know, proposed things of like potentially using glass bottles or something else. So also in my book, um, I talk about cobalt irradiation. Um, for sterilization, uh, which kills all of the adult organisms, so that the fungi and uh, bacteria. Uh, The problem is it doesn't kill spores. So theoretically, whatever the um, bloom time is that's on the shelf, I don't think that's like the appropriate vocabulary Mm -hmm. bloom time, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, they take like the batch of like ink basically and like irradiate it with the light, right? To like kill all yeah. the work. Exactly. Exactly. Like yeah. Right, right. So let's let's say that some of the spores can bloom in um, a day and mature, and then some of them take, you know, four weeks. It makes it hard to like say like what's the shelf life of something yeah. like that. Um, because you can't really say like, you know here's an expiration date because it's kind of, um, it's like arbitrary, you know? Mm. Um, I do think tattoo pigments should have an expiration date because if you have something sitting on your shelf for over a year, the capacity for something to become contaminated just becomes higher and higher. And also let's say hypothetically that that does have a very small amount of bacteria in it from the raw powder pigment that was um, used to manufacture the product after a year, that's gross. You know, after a year of that bacteria just kind of like doing its thing, you know, throw it away. (laughs) So yeah, always. A lot of that stuff, you know? Yeah, always pay attention. My health department doesn't even really 
you know, they, they just look at expiration dates and paperwork that I filled out, you know, and then you pay your $500 license fee every year. And there's no um, enforcement. I think that's a big problem right now, too. You know, there's no buddy really going around. Like, they, they send out a cease and desist letter is the worst thing you can do around here, you know. So, yeah. like, nobody really gets in trouble for doing the wrong thing. And then people who do it the right way are the ones that end up, you know, just being the ones that are affected, maybe. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, well, that's all it takes is, like, a couple of bad eggs. And it would be great if, you know if things were actually enforced and you'd think that government agencies would want to, because if they'd come after the real money, it's in penalization, right? You know, if they shut down a shop and it's going to cost that shop a few thousand dollars to open back up, they should be focusing their efforts on that. Um, A lot of the issue, however, is training people that do uh, facility and licensure inspection, you know, Mm -hmm. because these, these people do everything. (laughs) They do restaurants, they do massage parlors, they do nail salons, they do hair shops, you know, so how are they going to know a differentiation between a taco shop and a tattoo shop? You know, they think like, oh, there should be a hand washing sign over here and your hot, your water doesn't get hot enough. And then they come over to your station and touch the trash without gloves on and then touch your stuff, you know? So again, that's something that the AFTO is working on is making some kind of standardized training for facility inspection so that inspectors can at least watch a PowerPoint presentation or something to understand um, bloodborne pathogen a little bit more, um, at least as much as tattoo artists are required to. And anybody that does inspection should also do bloodborne pathogen training. The issue, however, is that a restaurant isn't dealing with blood, yeah. you know, a, a massage parlor is not dealing with blood, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and a tattoo shop does every day. So we have biohazard disposal. Um, yeah. You know, we have sharps disposal. Um, and I mean, most tattoo shops don't have biohazard disposal because we don't have the, that quite that amount of uh, a body fluid to have to have disposal in that regard through OSHA. Um, but we do have sharps disposal. But it's not cohesive, you know, like you were saying, Oklahoma or not yeah. Oklahoma, um, Idaho, they yeah. have no regulation. And when I learned how to tattoo, there was zero regulation. We didn't yeah. even have to have a health department license. Um, I think our autoclave had to be spore tested and that was right. it. There was yeah. nothing else. There's absolutely nothing. Um, the guy that taught me how to tattoo told me, <laughs> he told me to go down to the free clinic and get tested for HIV once a year, just, <laughs> just as an in case, you know, yeah. this old biker guy was like, yeah, yeah, I guess if you want to like go down there, you know, but he was yeah. using, he wasn't using squeeze bottles. He was using spray bottles, which is really <laughs> gross, you know? <laughs> so there's all Things kinds of stuff. Different. Things are different. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> 17 years ago was a long time ago in the tattoo industry, uh, you know, in modern day tattooing, but it really wasn't that long ago. You know, when you think about like what we know and understand about bloodborne pathogen and contamination and all of that kind of stuff, it's just, it's more so surprising that it's taking this long for it actually to become like required and like uh, expected knowledge in the tattoo industry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like, obviously there are always gonna be people that are relatively anti-intellectual that wanna do their thing their way and they wanna keep tradition as much as possible, but there's keeping tradition and then there's public health and safety. Yeah. So real quick, I'm gonna talk about uh, 
pigments like uh, Waverly and Talons because okay. they're not tattoo pigments. And I know people love Waverly and Talons and that's okay, but again, it's not tattoo pigment. So there are a few reasons why you should stop using something that's not a registered you know, cosmetic tattoo pigment. Uh, yeah. The main one being is that even though these other companies try to go through sterilization processes like cobalt irradiation, um, something that's made as an art store pigment for painting absolutely yeah. does not. And if you go to these companies' websites, they have disclaimers and disclosures that say this is not a tattoo pigment. Do not right. buy this for tattooing. And frankly, the fact that tattoo supply companies still sell Talons and Pelican and all these <laughs> other companies almost like tattoo pigment is kind of insulting to us as a tattoo industry. The other yeah. thing is that we don't know what the fuck is in it because they're not required to have a material safety data sheet. So you could be putting carcinogenic toxic chemicals yeah. and bacteria delivered directly into your client's bloodstream. And it's, you know, as much as all of, you know, the tattoo industry that was raised on these type of pigments, you know, wants to say, I've been using this for 20 plus years. It's a great product. Right. I never have problems with it. Well, that's good and all, but you don't actually know. You don't know if you have a problem with it or not. You don't know if your client is having a reaction to it. You tattoo them once and then maybe you see them once a year. You don't know if they're having like some kind of reaction. If they have a really adverse reaction, maybe they never want to talk to you ever again. <laughs> Maybe they run away. Maybe they say, oh my God, this guy fucked me up. And they go to their doctor and you know, they have these issues. There's a lot that we don't know about what happens with our clients once they leave the shop. So yeah. it's our duty to try to be as diligent and do the best that we can as operators and tattooers to provide a safe service. Um, so if you're using a pigment that's not actually manufactured and sold as a tattoo pigment, keep, keep that in mind. It's not, it's not necessarily illegal if your client doesn't have a reaction, but mm -hmm. you could also be under some kind of legal liability if there is some kind of recordable reaction. So if your client does have some kind of ongoing dermatitis reaction to something that wasn't a tattoo pigment and yeah. somehow they can prove that you used Talons or Waverly or et cetera, right. who knows what the mm -hmm. fuck ever people are using, yeah. you could lose everything. You leave yeah, yourself completely open for a lawsuit. Yeah. And it's hard to tell even sometimes too. I think your book did a good point of kind of showing that, you know, with the, uh, the trendication chapter, like the end, you know, when it's talking about like, or, or in the reaction chapter kind of where it's talking about like, uh, you know, like who knows why kind of certain things happen. Sometimes people have these weird reactions and, and it, it could just be the person, you know, you could use that same ink and it might be fine for one person, whereas like you use it on another person that doesn't even know they have some kind of, uh, maybe like a, um, some kind of um, autoimmune deficiency or something like that. And, and it attacks them way more harshly than somebody that is healthy or something. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. You know and people lie. And that's yeah. the other thing. People lie. Um, I've had people come in that are diabetic and want to get tattooed and, you know, I've told them no. Yeah. And I've had people come in that, you know, are big people and then they have a complicated heel and I say, are you diabetic? And they go, uh, uh, no, you know, and it's yeah. like, 
whether yeah. whether they don't know or they know and they're doing it anyway either way you know they're signing a release form or they should be signing a release form saying that they acknowledge that they don't have these conditions um so that's you know that's like a whole other animal is like yeah. is legal liability and tattooing and and understanding like the right questions to ask and the right things to have on your release form um so yeah i mean Part of what I'm going to be developing at the end of this year is going to be something that's more directed for that. Um, so I'm working on two projects right now. Uh, one's going to be that medical side textbook, but it's also going to include like, you know, basically a suggested release form for everybody to download and use. The state okay. of California is a little bit more uh, stringent on what we can and cannot ask people. So we have uh, pretty good regulations on, uh, you know, like contraindications and when we should, yeah. should not be tattooing somebody. Um, and our state requires stuff like that. Even if you're a full disposable shop in California, you're required to show uh, like gas test batch numbers um, to the health department when you get like a facility license. Um, so you have to prove that, you know, kind of beyond any reasonable doubt that everything that you have is, is sterile and, you know, that you're doing things in the right way. Um, and I've been working with our county health department over here and um, they use my facility as a training facility. So when they're training a new inspector, they come to my facility um, and we kind of talk about things. And I say, this is why I do what I do here. And that way they can take those tools to the next place that they, you know, uh, issue a facility license. Yeah, that's hard, huh? Like, it's like, that's something I've been trying to do, too, is, like, influence my health department a little more when they do come in and try to show them, like, because I've worked in a few shops in the area. It's more rural. It's in the middle of nowhere, so the standards aren't as high, you know? But I mm -hmm. think we do need kind of, like, yeah, that, like, federal standard, you know, that everybody can kind of hold to so that these areas aren't, like, lost in the mix, too, you know, with just guys that just happen to have been doing it 30 years and don't have yeah. any... Yeah, they just kind of like a lot of times I think we just and maybe if they're you know maybe that like lost in the sauce or whatever that they just don't really care about like learning new knowledge or whatever you know they've been doing it so long they're like well I'm doing it this is the way I do it it makes me a living I don't need to um do anything different or better or anything nothing can be better than what I'm doing you know so it's like ego I guess is what kind of like is like the tattoo artist was enemy always you know but um, yeah yeah, it's really important, I think, because um, now we're becoming like a real career choice, like you said, you know, like it's not just like something people do, like people choose to do this as a young child and work their whole life to become this now. You know, it's not something that you fall into as much anymore. And like, it seems like a lot of older artists I work with is like, they say they kind of fell into it, you know, mm -hmm. um, or as like a last option or something, where now it's like it's a choice as a young kid, people decide they're going to go to college and become. You know, so we need to, yeah, start, um, like, setting it up to where I think it's more of a reputable um, job to have, too, for people, because it, they, they respect it more, and so we should, we should um, be providing a, a better place like that, you know, like, to um, grow more from, or whatever, like, these kids are going to come into our industry, and I don't want it to be the same as when I came into it, I guess, you know, where there's no standards and stuff, you know. But because they have like this art driven, there's more like art driven people than ever. There's people coming out of college and stuff now that um, have a degree. You know, since the 90s, it's kind of been like that. Well, now I feel like it's kind of the push into like, uh, like the, 
everybody having standardized like uh, like I don't know uh, ways of going about owning a shop or whatever you know like, yeah, just throughout like the whole country and instead of it just being so different everywhere you go is so different right now I don't think that's you know good for the industry in the long run. But, I completely agree. Um, and, and I should also say that if anyone is interested in getting involved in regulation in their local areas, you can always contact your health department, reach out to them, try to get involved with them. You can help them rewrite things to be for the better. Um, I had friends in San Diego that helped write the code for San Diego before the state of California passed a law that uh, regulated the entire state. Um, and that's kind of the other issue is that if there's no kind of like federal code, you know, each yeah. state is subject um, to whatever each county or township, you know, wants to participate in. And if it's a county that doesn't have a lot of money um, or, you know, a lot of people and there's no like necessary um, like drive to get involved with it, they're just, they're just not. Um, yeah. And it's unfortunate because sometimes it takes like a, like a, you know, adverse health outbreak or something, you know, if somebody's spreading hepatitis for a couple of years for like somebody to step in and go, oh my God, we, you know, we figured this out. And that's, yeah. that's why so many states had illegal tattooing for so long, South Carolina, New York, and Massachusetts. It's because they could, they found, they like zoned in on where these outbreaks were coming from was that, you know, near all of these military bases, uh, they were, you know, they were tattooing without gloves on and using the same needles and using the same rag out of a bucket to wipe people yeah. down. And it had less to do with it being a counterculture. And it had more to do with the fact that the, the states just couldn't deal with it, you yeah. know? So they were like, no, we're not going to have it here at all. It has to, and that sucks because then it all has to be pushed underground. So that's kind of the fear with the tattoo inks are that if we can only have mar marketed tattoo pigments that are approved color additives by the FDA, yeah. which right now is food safe color additives. So it's basically vegetable dyes. So if we can't petition to get acceptable, um, you know, color additives through the FDA, we're going to be left with like a very limited amount of ink. Um, wow. And this is something that the ink industry is uh, through the coalition of tattoo safety are fighting a lot right now doing lobbying in Congress is they're basically trying to say that it's going to, cause it costs money for every pigment that you want to petition to the FDA. You know, yeah. I don't know what the price could be. It could be $5,000. It could be a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. You know, it just, it just depends on what the FDA is going to require for their own testing and approval process. Um, so can you imagine if one of these major ink manufacturers has to go through and have every single one of their colors approved? That yeah. sucks. So what then happens is people bring it underground again and they say, fuck this, I'm going to make my own ink. And yeah. that's problematic because now you have absolutely no, you know, there, you know, again, there's no regulation on it now. However, <laughs> major ink manufacturers do have higher standards in business than somebody just making it out of their garage. Um, and when I learned how to tattoo, I learned how to make ink, I learned how to make needles. And uh, it wasn't until farther down in my career that I kind of like had a, you know, kind of like a, a realization, like, holy shit, you know? Like yeah. when we made needles, like it was completely inconsistent. Like, 
Yeah. I was a shitty solderer, you know, some people are really <laughs> good at it. My needles were always, you know, off and shitty mm -hmm. and we have tattoo people with that, you know, and, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, you'd eye loop it, but it was so garbage and we'd resave our needle <laughs> bars and we'd autoclave it. But I don't even know if anybody ever really checked to see if like, you know, our, um, our batch strips that were in there were like coming out clean. So it was, right. it was kind of like dicey, you know, and then the, we, we use like national pigments and, and made inks that way. Um, but I, oh, wow. it was like magic to me. I, I had no idea what pigment. it was. Yeah. You, yeah, you just buy a big package of it and you just, oh, wow. you know, make a fucking mess, you know, it's like <laughs> it, you have to like basically put on a hazmat suit because anything that touches that shit's ruined forever. It's everywhere. Um, yeah. But you just, you make a big bottle of it um, and you keep it for like years and it never, yeah, you know, it's like maybe you put some isopropyl alcohol in there and some witch hazel, but it's never sterilized, you know? Um, and some of, some of the, my mentor's bottles were just like covered in gross ink and they were nasty and crusty and yeah. dirty and who the fuck knows how long that was like that, you know, yeah. like a ketchup bottle at a fucking burger shop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I watched a, um, I watched like a seminar that Kari Barba did about tattooing in the the seventies and eighties and kind of like tattooing yeah. through history. And the fact that, um, in the 1980s, she was one of the first tattooers to wear gloves, but she oh. only did so because her hands were getting dirty. So it was nothing about like cross contamination. Oh she just didn't want ink under her nails all the time. So she wore gloves, but you know, it's like as an actual protective piece of equipment, that does yeah. absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah, that's awesome to hear, huh? Like, <laughs> things have changed a lot, though. Because now even, like, the, the most, like, uh, new beginner or whatever, you still see them, you know, practicing a lot. A lot of times, at least, practicing, like, safe bloodborne pathogens, you know? Yeah, I've got an apprentice. The first day she came into my shop, she had to get bloodborne pathogen certified through the state of California's program, which is like a two hour course, you know? Yeah. And I was like, you can't touch shit in my shop until you've done this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it yeah. should, I'm, I'm happy that that is mandatory. At least that's generally standardized through most health departments for licensure. Um, but that's like it, you know, and, and yeah. who there's no accountability into like who's actually taking the class. When I worked yeah. in Las Vegas, you had that's to true. actually go to a class in order to get your licensure because there's such a yeah. heavily trafficked tourist area. Um, you had to like show up at the health department and take bloodborne pathogen and adult yeah. first aid in person to get signed off. Now it's like I've worked at shops where people just pay the counter kid 20 bucks and the counter kid sits there on the right. computer for two hours and gets, you know, here's your new certification. And I think <laughs> yeah. it is useful to that everybody does it, you know, at least once a year because you forget, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, yeah, for sure. It's something that you should refresh on, you know, just like any, any medical kind of uh, profession too is like that is like continued education is a big part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and people do that with like the art side of things, but uh, maybe there is more to be said about like becoming more educated on the medical side. And yeah, the, even like uh, this book that is like the chemical side and that stuff too is really interesting. I think, you know, something I never really thought about before going into tattooing. Like you said uh, before, it's kind of like all like 
magical or whatever, you know? And, right. <laughs> but the, the reading the book kind of like disrupts a lot of that stuff, but it feels like it's, it's just like, uh, like, like unexplainable or something. And so it's so how much more stuff that is like that is actually explainable that doesn't feel like it is now, you know? So it kind of like it got me thinking like, what else is there to learn kind of? Yeah, there's so much, you know? There's so much that we can, we can learn and, and better evolve in our own knowledge for being tattoo artists. Um, because just like you said, you know, like how many classes do we take to be better artists? Um, but let's also know our materials and know material science and, and know that if you buy X needles from X company, um, they are not hypoallergenic um, and your clients may have a nickel reaction to them. Or if you buy these needles from these companies, they are hypoallergenic. So they have a very low amount of nickel. Um, and that kind of stuff is important for us to all know in our materials. And I'm not done learning either. There's, there's so much that I don't know. And it's scary being the face of a project like this because I am probably going to say a lot of stupid stuff, you know, and, and ignorant things. They're not necessarily stupid, but ignorant of like, you know, like maybe I need to understand this a little bit better and learn this a little bit better. And somebody who has like a PhD or a master's in some kind of, yeah. um, you know, like chemistry or physiology, biology, that kind of stuff, they're going to be like, oh, that's wrong. And this is obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's important. Into it, like with an open mind though, you know, and you left it open-ended to where it's not like, I know, and this is finite, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, yeah. this is it's open book. I definitely don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not a doctor. And it was funny because, um, you know, once I published the book and people started buying books, I got quite a few medical related questions, yeah. um, which I wish I could answer, um, <laughs> but I can't, you know, and if people have complications um, and they're, they're having something that's, you know, affecting their lives, they really need to go see a dermatologist or a doctor. Yeah. And hopefully we can further the research on our book and our next book to reach out to the medical industry to do treatments and identify things. Because I think that there's also a deficiency in the medical field of dermatologists and doctors being able to identify what's actually happening. Um, so a lot of them just, yeah, you know, a lot of immediately say, you know, allergic reaction, um, or, you know, a bacterial reaction. Yeah. So it sometimes it can be a lot more complicated than that. Kind of like what you were saying with autoimmune disorders. Sometimes, you yes. know, doctors need to know that there are all these other things involved in it. Yeah. Um, and some of them do, some of them are kind of going above and beyond to participate. Um, I, I definitely uh, consulted with a doctor who uh, went all the way to Europe to, um, you know, be a part of their symposium and she's a dermatologist and she wanted to learn more about like tattoo treatment. Um, I believe she was teaching at Cornell and she wanted to start like a, like a tattoo research department at Cornell. And I don't think she's doing that anymore, but we need more of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because you know, I, I even feel bad kind of now too sometimes. Like looking back, I've seen some crazy things happen to other people's tattoos and I'm like, oh man, they must be dirty or something. You never know. I mean, it could be just like the, the ink. There's no standardization of the ink or like you say, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's not, you know, it could be that. It could be a allergic reaction. It could be anything. You know? So I feel bad almost like judging people like right away because it could not even be the artist, you know. Like a lot of times it's something 
external factors. Yeah. Absolutely. And it could be a chemical reaction between a sanoderm that you use and the type of the ink and that yeah. person's immune system. And, you know, if somebody's immunocompromised, something that would not affect 90 something percent of your clients will affect them. Um, yeah. And they don't know and you don't know. And there are all these different crazy factors. Somebody could, um, they could have like a low immune system, be fighting a cold and uh, have a slight allergy to some kind of like heavy metal and then get the tattoo and have an allergic reaction. And they've never had an allergic reaction to that before. And it's, you yeah. know, it's like their body's just doing too much or it's going to have a hard time healing. Um, and then it leaves the wound open longer than it should. And then they get a bacterial infection. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's, there's a lot of circumstances to it because we can educate ourselves as much as possible as operators and tattooers, but like, then how do you advise every single client that comes <laughs> in, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, I think we can all do better to kind of, you know, have, have compassion for our clientele as well. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So just to kind of like summarize, um, like what, what would be like, you, what would you say is like your main hope to accomplish with the, the book? Uh, the main hope with the book is to kind of like have some kind of standard research agency that people can reference um, that provides materials as well for the industry as well as those are curious um, and further research to, to kind of funnel more time and energy into different research and development projects. Um, so if people are curious, they can, they can reach out to the science of tattooing and they can say, Hey, I have a question about this, you know, and then hopefully myself. And once I start bringing other people on more as like full-time or ancillary individuals, um, we can, we can work to answer those questions. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, so is there anything else that you want people to know that are listening? Um, go buy my book. It's on uh, thescienceoftattooing.com, uh, thescienceoftattooing, one word, dot com. Um, it's available on Amazon and ebook. Uh, you can buy um, a, a soft cover on, um, on Amazon and get free two-day shipping through Prime. Um, or you can buy it directly uh, through us at The Science of Tattooing. Awesome. I'll put a link up in the video and everything too, just so everybody can find it easy. And I uh, appreciate you doing the podcast with me and everything. Hopefully uh, get to see you in the future or something in person. Uh, we're out yeah. there here. We're in Modesto, so it'd be cool. Maybe we'll pop through there. So I usually fly into Oakland, you know? Cool. Yeah. Stop <laughs> by any time. Just let me know. All right, cool. Yeah, we're going to be out there next month. Maybe we will. But uh, it's really in. nice talking to you. And uh, we'll, we'll see you. Thank All right, take much. care. Thank thanks you for so your much. contribution too into the tattoo industry. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Have <laughs> a great you. day. Yeah.